Happy New Year, fans. This is your man, Cam. I'm joined, as always, by my man, Young Sam, who does know the difference between playing injured and playing hurt. How you feeling there, big guy? Uh, I'm feeling fantastic, fans. Uh, happy for the new year. Everything is good. And we make up the voice of the fans. Thank you guys for tuning in. This week we're going to talk about the NFL playoff review. Had some big games, some big performances this past weekend. We're going to talk about the NFL coaching carousel, the early NBA MVP race, and some all-star, NBA all-star talk we're going to have a little later. As always, we're going to talk about this day in history. I want to shout out to our Rise Radio listeners being pumped out of Vegas. Thank you guys for tuning in. However you're hearing this via the podcast, via the Internet, thank you guys for tuning in and joining us. So get comfortable. Let's do this. Mr. Cleveland, as always, nothing changes but the date. Today's date, January 8th. 2020, week 70 of Voice of the Fans show. When we think of the number eight, few names come to my mind. More numbers, uh, more names than you might originally think with the number eight. But first and foremost, was that bad boy for the Los Angeles Lakers? By no means as fans am I a Los Angeles Lakers fan. Don't get that twisted. But I don't know that there was a batter dude in the NBA from 2000, from 99 or 96, excuse me, to 2004, 2005, whenever the jersey number changed. But that number eight, Kobe Bean Bryant, you can't give me a better number eight than that one. What you got, Cleveland? Oh, I wholeheartedly agree, Big Cam. Uh, Kobe Bean Bryant is the greatest number eight that's ever been um, in any sport. Um, however, one other number eight that kind of comes to mind is a, a left-hander from the University of Washington named Mark Brunel, who had some success over there in Jacksonville. Hmm. Shout-out to Mark Brunel and the uh, Huskies. Shout-out to Mark Brunel. There's a few numbers, a few names I got to before I came to Mark Brunel, but – that was a good. That was a good one. That was a good one right there. The number eight that actually first came on my mind is a little old school, older school than most. But the power four for the then Seattle SuperSonics, Lonnie Shelton, Mister Ferocious, Mister Banger himself. Well, I tell you what, I think I patterned, patterned my basketball game after Lonnie Shelton. So if you can picture Lonnie Shelton, that was essentially me on the basketball court. A bruiser. Wow. A bruiser who has stayed in the in the low box and muscled everybody around. I, I was a big fan of Lonnie Shelton. Uh, I actually had, I think it was John Sally during the NBA Summer League. I asked him, no, excuse me, it was Dennis Scott. They were talking about old power forwards, old school power forwards. And I asked him, what did he think about Lonnie Shelton? And he just gave me the look like that was a bad brother right there. 
and don't say nothing out of place because he was ready to get up. He was ready to put him up for real. This was no hold me back era. He was ready to put him up for real, uh, Lonnie Shelton was. So uh, that told me, if you saw the look that Dennis Scott gave me when I asked him about Lonnie Shelton, you know, yeah, he, he must be for real. But there's a couple other guys out there. Who, who, who else wore that number pretty well? Well, I would be remiss if I didn't mention, uh, you know, a quarterback from up here that led uh, the Seahawks in their first Super Bowl appearance, uh, a guy by the name of Matt Hasselbeck as well, wore it, wore it very nicely. Well, come on. You're going to talk quarterback. I mean, I can give you Mark Burnell. He's a hometown kid. He did. Makes, uh, but but while while we're on the subject, let me let me uh, let me go old school on you as well. Uh, a cat that used to play for the uh, Milwaukee Bucks by the name of Marcus Johnson wore it all right. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. But you you left Steve you left out Steve Young. You talking about? Oh yeah, I did leave out Steve Young. Not not that not that I should have. Uh, he definitely deserves to be uh, on the list. He wore the eight very well. A Hall of Famer, but Steve is just, you know, one of those guys that comes readily to mind for me. There you go. Okay, we're going to get, we're going to have a little, uh, some more debate about your all time list here in a moment. We're going to, we're gonna, I got some more fuel for that fire here. Oh boy. Can't wait. But uh, number 70, John Marshall, Hall of Famer. Minnesota Vikings defensive lineman. That's one number seventy. Who else you got on the, on your list for number seventy? Who wore that number back? You know, you know, I've been watching that clip of uh, Jim Marshall running the touchdown in the wrong direction so long. That's probably the only person wearing number seventy that I can really comes to mind. To be quite honest with you. Uh, well, yeah, that's that's in a lot of uh, memories of football fans who who got the film from NFL Sunday, who they just released it year after year after year. I'm, I kind of miss those. Um, Michael Sinclair, the Seattle Seahawks defensive lineman, was drafted, I think this was the mid-'90s. But not, Michael Sinclair, I think that's the next guy to come to my mind in, in regards to the number 70 who might have wore that best. But turning to the N- NFL Playoff started wild card weekend we had this past weekend. Cleveland, I know you're disdained for running backs to come out of University of Alabama. What do you think about that big fella who's running the rock for the Tennessee Titans? Well, kudos to him for taking advantage of a perfect storm. Uh, he definitely walked into New England. Uh, a, a team that was kind of in desperation, um, kind of hoping for to rekindle their old magic. Um, as you recall, Cam, I, I called this from the very beginning. It, it was going to be a, not a bloodbath, but they were not going to come out victorious. Um, I felt that the Tennessee Titans were just going to be too physical for them, and it starts with that guy, Derek Henry. My goodness, you better uh, strap on and eat your weeds if you're going to go out there and try and handle him for four straight quarters. Next time I get a chance, I got to talk to somebody from Florida, NFL player. I need some background. Because I was – where was I at? I think I was at the – where was I watching this game at? I was at Staples Center watching a football game. And I looked at the screen, and it, before I could kind of 
digest what I saw on the screen, it, it kind of sent me in a tizzy. If I had the clicker, I would, I would hit rewind immediately so I could grasp the, the graph, graphics that they showed. They showed they, and then they said he ran for 12,000 yards in high school. And I had to look that up. I, I mean, I, <laughs> they, they said he can't run for 12,000 yards. I mean, I, I, must, I didn't hear. I, 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 be, I beg your pardon, Cameron. Go ahead. Cameron, I beg your pardon, man. Did you say 12,000 yards, man? 12,000 yards in four years. <clears throat> oh, First, my God. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Excuse me. Let me see if I can pull them up, in fact, really quickly while we're, while we're doing this. Excuse me, fam. <coughs> excuse, me. Well, excuse me. I hate doing this. But let me see how quickly I can get to these numbers. In high school, this kid... 12,000 yards <coughs> is what he accomplished. <clears throat> I know this is terrible radio fans, but excuse me, I just had something tickling in my throat. So let me let me read this to you guys. <clears throat> Three sports star in football, basketball, and track. High school running back for Yuli Hornets out of Jacksonville, Florida. <coughs> oh, it's fan. I'm sorry. This is how choked up I am just thinking about these numbers. But it, it, this is astonishing. Normally, I'm, ordinarily, I'm not a stat guy, Cleveland. You know that. Fans, you should know that by now. I just don't base everything on stats. You kind of got to see it, really, to truly believe it. That's my belief. I like the eye test. I like to see what happens on the field. Stats don't tell everything. So I'm not generally, ordinarily a stat guy. However, when it says 2,400 yards, 2,465 yards, 26 touchdowns, as a freshman in high school, I immediately wonder about the talent that he's playing against. That's got to be the first question, Cam. I mean, my goodness, man, was he was he playing a you know single A competition and he was just the dude? I don't. I mean, that those numbers are mind boggling. It's a it is Florida football, and when I went from Seattle, Washington, to southeastern Georgia in August, right before the football season, these guys were having two days. Okay, that was understandable. After the season was over, I went there in August, so September, October, November, December, the season was over. These guys were lining up to play football in February. Spring football, full pads, games at the the football stadium with fans in the stadium. Spring football. I I couldn't believe it. It it was an epiphany came across me that these guys actually – no wonder they got so much talent because they play football year round down here. So that was as a as a freshman. So that was that was in Georgia. The I was thirty minutes from the Florida border. Okay, so it the same applies. As a freshman, that was two thousand nine. As a sophomore, twenty seven hundred eighty eight yards, thirty eight touchdowns. 
8.9 yards attempt as a sophomore. As a junior, I mean, I don't. Somebody, somebody keyed in on him because he only ran for 2,600 yards that season. They had only 34 touchdowns, so the coaches keyed in on him. First team All Coast honors from Florida Times Union. And then, as a senior, he said, "Excuse me, fans. I'm still talking about Derrick Henry now. This is still one guy in his high school production." He set the high school rushing record 510 yards performance against Jacksonville Jackson. Big guy. He averaged 30, he averaged 327 yards per game as a senior. That totaled up to 4,200 yards rushing. 55 touchdowns. As a senior in high school. Cam, that would be impressive if he was throwing the ball. <laughs> You're exactly right. Much exactly less right. if he's running the ball. I mean, if he was throwing for 227 yards a game, I'd be like, good Lord, who is that guy? You know about on the ground? On the ground. I mean, uh, staggering. Sta- I mean, these numbers are staggering. So you want so again you want to continue to bang on Alabama running back who in fact we'll see a couple of them this week we'll see, we'll see a couple of running you'll, backs. you'll see you'll see you'll see you'll see two don't get carried away there come on that's a couple I've been hit with a couple so again okay. you want to continue to bang on Alabama running back that's one for you who ran for twelve thousand yards if you didn't hear me correctly fans. I mean that's just automatic. That's remarkable. That that is absolutely uh, remarkable, man. It was it, it it blew me away. It blew me away, Cleveland. So yeah, he, he's the reason. He was the reason. You're you're right. You picked that game. He was the reason that Ryan Tannehill, your guy who who jumped aboard the last couple of weeks, threw for 72 yards in a football game because he has this guy behind him who ran for what a buck 82. Buck eighty two, yeah, against the uh, New England Patriots, and apparently they couldn't get any, anything done. So, kudos to the Tennessee Titans. Kudos to Derrick Henry for getting it down, getting it done on Saturday. But I think they've come to the end of the road here this coming Sunday, and I don't know. We'll talk about it later. I don't know if you picked them, but then we have Josh Allen going against the worst coach football team I've seen in a long time, uh, in a long time. I haven't seen a team worse coach than the Houston Texans. So they're winning in spite of their coaches. And I'm a big fan of coaches. You say coaches don't matter. Players win, players win games, yada, yada, yada. And this is one instance where you're absolutely correct. I, I think Tennessee would – I could coach ten, uh, the Houston Texans to the wild card game and probably do a better job and have a bigger um, impact on the Houston Texans than what they see their coaching staff having. But we saw a couple of good games. Josh Allen just came. He started off the game hot. Started off the game with a, a QB power sweep, went for 50 yards, and I think that yeah, he ended the game rushing for a total of 58 yards, if I'm not mistaken. So what did you see in that game? And, was it 
bad Buffalo Bills or good Houston Texans? You tell me. Oh, without question, it was bad Buffalo Bills. Um, I saw Josh Allen do some things with the football I've never seen a quarterback do. Um, simply running down the field and just, you know, just laddering ball to absolutely no one in a playoff game is, you know, what you was know, it? That inex- was inexcusable. I, I, I have no idea who who he thought was going to be there. I don't even know what his best case scenario for that play was. Um, it was it was super crazy. And then just the way he was taking the sack after sack after sack in a in a game where really, to be quite honest with you, Cam, the Buffalo Bills should have won that game. They, they weren't the more talented team, but they executed well enough to be in a position to win it and then to just kind of have it thrown away like that, extremely disappointing. So definitely a worse loss for the Bills. And as you were saying, as far as Bill O'Brien, what I was thinking as the game was going on is that, wow, all of these coaches that are going to interview with all these other teams better hang on for a second before they commit uh, you know, pen to paper and wait for the end of this game because there might be an opportunity for you to coach a quarterback named Sean Watson who has a receiver named DeAndre Hopkins. Right. And you start there, you know, and kind of, you know, build off of that foundation because what Bill O'Brien was doing was just like, wow, you just really do not want this head coaching job to to remain yours. But like, like like you're saying, Thank goodness he has a guy named Deshaun Watson who just is, you know, underrated, quite quite frankly. Um, but this is also the first opportunity he's kind of had to really kind of show. Well, he's had other opportunities, but this is one of the, you know, other opportunities where he just performed in the clutch and pulled it out. Well, I have to say, and, I, and I'm free, I'll freely admit this, I, I was – after I saw Vince Young – was going to be Mr. Dynamite in the NFL, and we saw we know what he turned out to be is a one-hit wonder. He had a one rookie year, and that was it. I have been not convinced of many of these mobile, elusive quarterbacks that come out in that same mold. And I wasn't sure about Deshaun Watson. He won in Clemson. He won two titles, I think it was right, or he was in, in the national championship and won the next one. I just wasn't convinced. After talking to him, great kid. He know he clearly knows football. He clearly understands the game. He is being hindered. He is being held back. He is being. He is not. We will not see the best of him until they have a replacement at the head coach at the head coach position. And it's so unfortunate. Him and Deshaun Watson, I mean, I, I would anticipate they can do some great magic. It's just they're just being held back. So I freely admit that I was a little uh, unsure of Deshaun Watson, and he, he rose up when it was playoff time. He rose up in playoff time, so that was good to hear. I mean, that was good to see. Um, now we move to the Sunday game. Was that a PI in Minnesota? It absolutely was. So why didn't they review it? That's to say three years in a row the Saints kind of get the short end of the stick here. Now, last year it was a penalty. The year before that it was just a miracle play. But if it was – They did, they, 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 they did review it. They, what they said is that there wasn't enough evidence to show that the uh, receiver gained a clear advantage from the push. 
Well, that's BS. Come on. We agree that that's BS, right? Uh, I I certainly saw uh, my man's head snap back, and you know he clearly shoved him in the middle of his chest to get separation. And you know in the NFL, all you need is a little bit at that level. So he, he certainly got the little bit he needed. Yeah, I think that was borderline, and you know we're going to talk about the play of the quarterbacks here in a moment, but I, I thought that was definitely a, a flag, a deserving flag. I don't understand why the NFL makes a rule and then elects not to use it against the one team who they made the rule made the rule for. Like, if any team in the league, you got to make that call against uh, in favor of them. If there's anything that goes on, if there's any scenario that comes down last minute PI against the New Orleans Saints, you got to make that call. You got to make that call, and just to show that we are, we're not totally against you, <laughs> New Orleans. We're not totally against you. You got to make that call, and for whatever reason, they they chose not to make that call. It was, it was kind of weird. It was kind of weird. So speaking of that game, do you think any more of Kirk Cousins? Or do you think any less of Drew Brees? Now you you're on record as saying Drew Brees is barely a top ten quarterback, if at all a top ten quarterback. Do you think any less of Drew Brees with his performance on Sunday? Because it, it could be said that Drew Brees cost him the game. Um, I don't think that I think any less of Drew Brees. And by the way, Drew Brees did not make the top ten uh, hundred. Your list. I don't know if you if you knew that or not. He didn't make a list. Um, I don't think anything less of him. You know what I'm saying? I think that they that that New Orleans Saints offense just took too long to get going, and I think that quite honestly that field goal that Will Lutz missed at halftime really kind of messed them up a little bit. They never really kind of got it going. They really never got the momentum. They never really looked at the New Orleans Saints offense, and you know that's a lot of credit to the Minnesota Vikings, uh, you know, defensive line. They kept him very uncomfortable for most of the game, and he just could never find a rhythm. So I don't really think anything less than Drew Brees. Um, am I going to give Kirk Cousins a whole bunch of praise after that one? Um, no, I thought he did just enough to win. I like the throw that he made to Thielen. Um, you know, in overtime, that was obviously huge. Um, and, you know, again, he made a pretty good, you know, fake route, you know, to end it. But, yeah, I'm not all on the Kirk Cousins bandwagon just yet. Okay. However, um, that – Let's let's get back to that a little bit later, though. Okay, so I know you had had your eyes, and I know you were healthy enough to tune in to the Seahawks game. I, I have to imagine, right? I did witness and watch the Seahawks game. Yes, I did. And I would like to ask you: no, the only question I have about that game, I only have one. The only question I have. Oh, about just just the one. Okay, sure. Just one, and I can ask you this question, and we can move on. I don't know that there's a whole lot to talk about after this. How much will Clowney be fined for that hit on Carson Wentz? How much will the fine be? Will he be suspended any games? What's your thoughts, Mister Cleaver? Yeah, my thoughts are he will not get suspended any games, and the fine will be uh, four thousand two hundred and sixteen dollars and eighty three cents. Four thousand dollars. So that's what the NFL thinks of Carson Wentz. <laughs> that's 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 what they think of the hit and uh, how illegal it was. Yeah, four thousand two hundred sixteen dollars and eighty four cents. They're going to give him a parking fine essentially for for lowering. Essentially, the hit. yes. Essentially, yes. 
for lowering his hand on a quarterback and knock him out the game for three quarters. He gets a parking fine. He was a run. He was running. He gave himself up, or excuse me, he did not give himself up. And uh, you know, it was a bad ankle, Cam. It wasn't intentional. It wasn't malicious. A bad. Nothing. Nothing was called on the field. Okay, uh, I mean that's all I want to ask you about that game. So we, can, we there's no reason to discuss anything further about that game, is there? Well, I mean, I, from your from your perspective, I'm sure there's not because it would probably just open a whole lot of wounds and a can of spaghetti or you're not really willing to uh, address at this moment. So I can understand why you want to move on. I, I mean, what other what what else happened in that game? Seattle after the penalty after the. The Davian Clowney took the man out. I mean, it was a pretty well, much a watch. Well, 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 perhaps, perhaps you didn't see, perhaps you didn't see the coming. Perhaps you didn't see the unveiling of Megatron 2.0, a guy named DK Metcalf. Okay. DK Metcalf, and as my man uh, Lewis Riddick so eloquently put it, um, you'll bust a hamstring trying to catch up with that guy. And you'll hurt yourself as if you're climbing up Mount Rushmore if you try and tackle him, okay? That's just a physical specimen this young man is right now. And the way that he's gaining confidence of Russell Wilson and a grip, a grip of the offense is just spectacular. It's all coming together at just the right time. Uh, quite possibly a Super Bowl MVP candidate. I'm just saying. It's going out there right now. Super Bowl MVP candidate? Who, Russell Wilson? Uh, DK Metcalf, number fourteen. Oh gracious! They'll be lucky if they win this game in Green Bay this weekend. What are you talking about, Super Bowl MVP? Super Bowl MVP candidate. I'm just saying. I, I, you heard it here first. Oh my goodness gracious! I mean, the kid, kid the kid catches forty five passes in the season, and now you have him as a Super Bowl MVP. I mean, come on. Uh, he he's done some, He did something that no other rookie in the history of the NFL has ever done. That includes your Jerry Rice's and your Randy Moss's and your Michael Irvin's, okay? No I one's mean, ever done it before. It's not like the Seattle Seahawks have targets to throw to. I mean, the only target they had on the field was was uh, Tyler Lockett. So I would have left him open too. Get open and show me you can catch the ball. And show me you can – you, you're not going to drop it when somebody comes running at you. You get open, and it, I mean they did it seven times, and you know the the last catch was the the backbreaker. But yeah, I don't let it, I would have left them open myself if I was opposing defense. I'm not mad at that at all. It's just the Eagles. I mean, whether they schemed it that way or not, they couldn't stop anybody all season. So, I mean, I wouldn't get your get all hyped up on what the Eagles defense did or allowed them to do. Okay, well, you know, you've been so spot on about DK Metcalf this whole season. I mean, I guess why not just go with your opinion, right? <laughs> touche, touche, there, buddy. But he had a good, he had a good game. I mean, like you say, it was a record-setting game: seven catches, 160 yards. That final touchdown was to sprint out and catch the ball, and then get up and the defender clearly couldn't drag him down until he got in the end zone. So yeah, good play, good good game out of him. But yeah, that that would have been my strategy. Show me you can catch the ball and catch it without fumbling. So let's take a little quick break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about some, a couple more NFL topics. We're going to touch on the Rooney Rule. Rooney Rule. We're going to touch on the coaching carousel in the NFL and get Cleveland thoughts about it. And later, we're also going to talk about the NBA All Star Games. Who's the 
early favorite. So, Cleveland, let's take a little break here. So, Cleveland, we had a, as you mentioned, made reference to earlier, we had some coaches signing their name on the dotted line. A couple coaches uh, you may not have heard of. Matt Rule signed with the Carolina Panthers. Joe Judge signed with the New York Giants. And Ron Rivera signed with the Skins. Mike McCarthy signs with the Cowboys. Which one of these positions, which one of these coaches would you anticipate having a better season in 2020? I would anticipate Mike McCarthy having a better season in 2020. Um, The Cowboys, for all intents and purposes, really were a playoff team that just underachieved. Um, Perhaps maybe not enough discipline. Perhaps they just need to hear a different voice. Um, And for whatever you want to think about Mike McCarthy, he does know his stuff. So I, I do kind of feel like he can have a little bit more of an immediate impact on the Cowboys to kind of get them over the hump. They don't play in a very difficult uh, division. So I think that he can have the most uh, impact quickly. Well, because they have a better talented squad. And so I'd agree with you in that, in that regard. They are the better team of the four teams we mentioned. Ron Rivera going to the Redskins, uh, I'm not excited about that move. I actually am quite excited about that move for two reasons. One, they, they gave him a lot of control and power, which I was, I was, not, I was not expecting. And number two, that Chase Young guy is coming, and he's coming next Who's That's that? going to change things dramatically. Chase Young. Have you and, heard of him? Yeah, yeah, I may have heard of him. Like that's that. the guy. That's the guy who should be playing the 305, but they wanted to get all cute and puff out their chest and be proud. So now they'll end up with Tua. But uh, when he <laughs> when the Redskins end up with Chase Young, you're going to see what a, what a, an impact uh, player that he really is. Please don't. I mean, you can. I know you can give me some insight on the hip replacement, man. But come on, don't tell me. Oh my goodness, they can't draft this guy. They can't draft damaged goods, man. Don't, don't. Please don't say that. Please don't say that. that we'll move off from that subject, but let's get back on task. I'm just saying, with uh, Chase Young joining that defense and a pretty young, okay offense. I like, uh, you know, the receiver, McLaurin, and, you know, a little bit of tutelage with Haskins, and he's bringing Norv Turner's son with him as the offensive coordinator. So well, I, I, I already know the kind of offense that they're going to run. So I, I kind of think they might make a few strides next year. They have some pieces in, in Washington, and I think they were missing some direction. Rivera is a good defensive coach. The defense, uh, it, it wasn't just – it wasn't terrible. Uh, yeah, and I think they were just missing some direction. So, uh, they should be better. I'm just not. I think they're eight and eight, ten and six, or ten and, or nine and seven, at best. Ten and six at at very best. I mean, uh, uh, doesn't excite me. That's, that's a that's a market improvement from where they're at right now, Cam. Wouldn't you say five well, or six I, games better? 
But I'm saying that that'll be their ceiling. They're not going to win. They're not winning the division. I think that'll be their ceiling is that 9-7, 10-6 is their ceiling for the next three or four wow. years. Okay. Well, you've seen their division. It's not, uh, you know, right, right, right. All, all that difficult. It's a, it's a hit or miss here or there, you know. The the uh, the aforementioned Cowboys with Mark McCarthy, who I think will be better. The Eagles, if they can get a healthy quarterback, they they should be better. Or in a healthy secondary, they should be better. And that leaves the the Skins and the Giants. I mean, they'll be they'll beat out the Giants. I mean, that's not really saying a whole lot. And Mr. Turner around, Mr. Fixing himself going down there to Carolina. What do you think that says about Cam? And do you expect Cam to be back since they gave the new coach seven years and sixty grand or sixty million? I think. Yeah, way more than sixty grand, bro. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't expect Cam Newton to be back with uh, you giving a coach that kind of cachet. Was not his dude. Um, Cam is not the most uh, receptive person to people that he doesn't necessarily respect or know. So I can't see that relationship going well at all. Um, I think Cam's time in, in Carolina is up. So um, whoever he decides he wants to go and get, you know, more power to him. He's the new guru. He's uh, turned two programs around in college. So we'll see what he can do with the uh, pros when he can't recruit. Interesting you say you now admit three months later when I told you Cam was done months ago, you finally admitted. I, I like that. I like how that works. This yeah, it, it wasn't quite a foreground conclusion, Cam, until they hired a new coach at a college that wants his own players and runs a different philosophy than before. And I told of, you, cor- of course. I told you Cam wasn't coming back when old boy threw for 300 yards in two games. I told you Cam was done then. I think that was week three or four. Come on. Get with it. Sooner or later, you're going to catch on, my man. Sooner or later, you're going to catch on and stop taking these L's. Good one for you. Good one for you, Cam. Picking the Cam uh, out of Carolina. Wow. Way to go out on the limit, my friend. Again, months ago, sir. Don't leave that part out. Months ago. Months ago. Months ago, I will definitely give you that one. Uh, Put that check right there next to uh, Cam's name. Perfect. Got it. Got it. Thanks. Okay, sir, tell me what you think about this Rooney rule. Um, here's my philosophy on the Rooney rule. I like the rule. Obviously, like the rule. I mean, I'm a black man myself. I want black men to have opportunities uh, where, they're, where they're due, whether they're, uh, where they are worthy, and where they have put in the work. But just as a business owner, as a businessman, as a owner of I'm not a business owner, not an owner of a multi-trillion dollar industry, and haven't developed the ego that these guys have, it's hard for you to tell somebody who to hire. I mean, I understand you want equality. I understand you want you want to make it look good to the public. I, I truly get all that. However, when it comes down to hiring, you're going to hire most often somebody who looks like you, who's somebody who speaks the same language as you. And unfortunately, that's where we're left out. I, I don't know what can be done any more than outside of the Rooney Rule to ensure that minorities get the job, get jobs, and get reoccurring jobs. I mean, I think what they did in Arizona last year was was pitiful. They brought the guy in, 
I'm, pretty, I'm having a brain fart, but they brought him in for one season, and he had a three or four. Wilkes. He had a three or four year contract, and they fired him after one season. Arizona, you couldn't have thought Arizona was going to the playoffs last year because their team stunk. There was no talent there. So, I mean, that what they what they did to that man was atrocious. Uh, we see when a man does get an opportunity, we see what Mike Tomlin does. He sticks around for years and years and years, although I was truthfully calling for his job. But you see he sucks around, and he they actually had a fairly decent season this year. I I know there's quality coaches in there, just like they didn't want they didn't want to believe that blacks could be quarterbacks, black men or football players could lead a team or lead a team on the football field and be productive quarterbacks. And we see now that that's not the truth. That's not the total opposite. Now I think three or four of the top five quarterbacks in the game right now today are black quarterbacks. So certainly that thought process has changed. However, I don't know what can be done about the Rooney Rule. Cleveland, your thoughts? So my thoughts are two two things. Number one, it's difficult, if not impossible, to tell a billionaire what to do with their money. So I understand from your perspective, from your perspective, it seems like a little bit of a farce to kind of have certain people. Um, interview just because they're a person of color. Like, for example, when Paul Allen wanted to hire Pete Carroll, they kind of did a little bit of a do do with Tony Dungy. Hey, why don't you come up and see if you want to, you know, we'll talk for a minute to kind of circumvent the rule, so to speak, because they knew that they wanted Pete Carroll. So sometimes it doesn't always work out the way that it's, that it's intended, but I think more times than not, it does because what it does is it gives minority candidates an opportunity to go through the process that they would never have had a chance to go through before. So if you just don't know, then you don't know what to expect. So just having, just getting that experience and being able to do it once or twice um, makes you infinitely better the next time an opportunity presents itself. So I think from that perspective, the Rooney rule does work. Um, And it's not like there's no African-American head coaches in the league. Um, it, it kind of fluctuates some to, somewhere between four and eight, typically. I think there's probably four that you can probably, you know, four to five that you can probably count on one hand. You know, there's, a, you know, Mr. Lynn out in uh, Los Angeles, uh, Mr. Floyd's down in Miami, um, like you said, uh, Mike Tomlin, and a couple others. So I think it definitely does what it's supposed to do, but I don't think it was ever supposed to like make it like an equal playing field because I just don't think that that's something like you said earlier, because people hire people that sound like them and look like them most often that that's was ever going to be the case. But when you go and try an interview, it shouldn't be like, I just don't know what to expect or what does this person want for me? or What is this person looking for? You kind of already had an opportunity to go through the process and do it. So you'll just be better off for it the next time. Yeah, that's a very good case, and that's why everybody, anybody, should continue to interview for jobs, different jobs, because you never know. You can always learn something about you yourself about the process just in the job interview. I certainly, I truly 1,000% understand that. However, I'm really stuck on the case that if you're a business owner of any industry, let alone a billion-dollar industry that you kind of often – 
these guys have other companies that they've been head of and been very successful. That's how you get successful enough to buy NFL teams. And you want to make your decision on who who's going to be next in line or who you're going to give a lot of money to. And I just don't know how you mandate that they should spread that wealth elsewhere. So it's a touchy subject. I, I agree. Um, hopefully something mind smarter than me can come up with some strategies to get more people in line. But, yeah, it's certainly a touchy subject. There is also a touchy subject that's going on up in the northeastern part of the country. Since Tennessee Titans have eliminated Bill Belichick in the New England Patriots from the playoffs this season, my question for you, Mr. Cleveland, is twofold. Do you expect to see Brady play for the Pats again? And we'll answer that question, and then we'll come back with the follow-up question before we take a break. Yes, I do expect Tom Brady to play for the Patriots next season. I can't wait. I love it. I love it because I don't want to see him going anywhere else. I like the guys who actually stay with their team. And then already we already see the decline in, in Tom Brady. So I love that my team will somehow get a better chance to knock him off his pedestal once again. And this question is actually a more question about the longevity of what the Patriots have done over the past 20 years. Who deserves more credit, the coach or the quarterback, for their recent success and the longevity of their reign of terror over the NFL? The coach, in this particular instance, deserves more credit. Oh, in this instance. Listen to it. I like how you try to clean that up, the coach in this instance. Well, what instance does the coach not deserve the credit, Mr. Cleavon? Typically, and you you know my stance on this, typically you you always take the talent. However, in this particular instance, over a 20-year span, a 20-year body of work, Nine Super Bowl appearances, I would have to go with the coach. Why would you go with the coach? Enlighten the people why the coach in this singular instance is a decision is a is a factor in this reign of terror. Tom Brady's skill set is not such that he is the most dominant football player on the planet at any really at any point in his career. He's always been very accurate. He's always been able to run that offense to perfection, which is admirable. But you never you would really hardly ever say, Man, I would want Tom Brady over any quarterback playing. He's not he is like a Michael Jordan type of transcending type of a player. He got six rings. What are you talking about? He's been a nine six he's he's six and three. And the question was who is more responsible for those nine appearances, the coach or the player. And in this particular instance, I said the coach. And in addition to that, you've seen so much turnover. It's not with the same cast of characters or even for two or three years. The Patriot way is to get rid of players a year before they're really in their prime or, or right when they hit their prime. So, Tom Brady is the only player that's never been traded in their prime. 
isn't that isn't that more credit to the player for being able to be consistent among the constant changes? No, it's more it's more credit to the coaches for always putting people in position so that he's always successful. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, in only one, only this one instance, you you what? You know, this is the only instance I can think of, Cam. To be quite honest with you. Oh, to be quite honest with you, the only instance I can think of. Oh, you're you're speaking out two sides of your mouth, man. Because if you come up, if you come up with another example where that's the case, where it's the coaching and not the player, man, I'm all ears. But this is not that one. This is the one exception. I mean, come on. If I come up with more, the original 23, he didn't start winning until who stepped on the sideline. Uh, he didn't start winning until Scotty Pippen came to town. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> okay. So that same guy, that that same guy who had Scottie Pippen and MJ playing to, at a championship performance, then he decides, ah, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit out. Oh, and there was a team, your team, the team you jumped on the bandwagon of back in the many years ago. What happened when he joined the Lakers? They won championships with Shaq and Kobe. Because of Shaq and Kobe. Okay, Shaq and Kobe were there before Phil got was there. Yeah. Kobe was in like a second or third year. It's not. It's oh. not. It's not a, a, a realistic comparison. What do you mean? Was Shaq and Kobe on the Lakers before Phil Jackson joined the Lakers? And by and, and by the way, my friend, there's no such thing as that in basketball. It, w- it would have to be a football thing. There's no such thing as a coach being more important than any basketball player. So don't even don't even go there. I like how he tried to spend you know how Cleveland just tried to switch up the argument kind of midstream. All of a sudden decided, all of a sudden Yeah, once you once once you switch sports and make it like completely ludicrous, obviously basketball is completely about individual talent. Very minimal about coaching, more about philosophical and emotional content than X's and O's, especially winning championships. You have, for example, I'll give you an example. I gave you an example. You want, so you want to stick to Okay, well, Shaq and Kobe, Shaq and Kobe is not an example, and Mike and Scotty is not an example. Okay. Sorry. Okay. In, in, in the – You you would have been better. You would have been better off asking me uh, about any topic. I mean, I was – Who was more important to the Cowboy dynasty, Jimmy or Troy Aikman? Well, I mean, that's not even a question. I mean, this, this is – Oh, what, okay. That, that one I just saved in the back pocket. I mean, because – Oh, did you, oh was, that, was, that, was, that your, was that your ace in the hole? I mean, was that, was that your talk, big joker? You, just, you were just holding it? I, I can talk I, – I, I gave you the ammunition, and you, and you still you still can't apply it correctly. Oh, my goodness. I mean, come on. Jimmy Johnson is – again, no-brainer. I've, I've always told you the coach is a factor. I've told you that. So why why am I having? To, but to, notice, but notice, but, but see, but see, but see, here's the difference. Here's the difference, Cam. Notice I said Troy Aikman. Oh. No, if I, now if you would have said who's more important, Jimmy Johnson or the triplets? Yeah, the triplets more important, homie. Yeah, exactly. We saw we, we saw. What okay, they you, see you, you, saw, see you, you see the difference. You see the difference. You see the difference. You see the difference. You saw with those triplets. Three Hall of Famers. Three Hall of Famers that your running back, your quarterback, and your wide receiver. You're, that's way more important than any coaching scheme that you can come up with. 
What did what did they do without him? Is the point is the point. They won a Super Bowl. Come on, man. Did Come they on. did they not win a Super Bowl without Jimmy? Could they have won five with Jimmy? How come? Because of the talent, right? Yeah, because coaching is not really that important when you have a Hall of Famers with those three positions at the same time. See, I, see so you just look you at see what I'm saying? Oh, whoosh. You, you fell right into that trap on me. Wow, I'm sorry. You just can, I, can, I throw you a rope? can I throw you a rope to get you out of that hole? With, with that type of comment, you just look at stats and highlights. You're not a, you're not how, is, how is that a stats and highlight comment? The coach is not more important than a Hall of Fame running back, quarterback, and receiver at the same time. Settle down, my man. Settle down. Relax. Relax. Who built the team? Who put that Hall of Fame offensive line together? Who put that Hall of Jimmy's Fame? Jimmy's the architect. Who put that Hall of Fame defense together? Who was the catalyst? For Jimmy's the architect. Who, who, who's, who's the catalyst that says number 34, Herschel Walker, the baddest dude on the team? Eh, we don't need him. We're going to bring somebody else in here. Who was the catalyst who did that? that was Jimmy's the architect. Exactly. So when you say when you when you want to turn around and give the triplets the credit, who somebody had to put them in position to do that? Somebody had to pick them and pick their teammates to make that happen. And then the triplets had to execute at a Hall of Fame level, buddy. Because I can tell you what happened in that game. No, because because then you're getting all Mike Shanahan on me. Why don't I just throw? uh, Why don't I just trade Clint Porter and I can just plug anybody in and play running back with my incredible system? And we'll get the same results. I'm, I'm not sure what Shanahan did when he traded Porter. I'm not sure what happened there. I'm not. He's, nice try, Mike. Nice try. But I don't think it was the same. It wasn't the duplication of effort. Okay, Mike Shanahan had the had God Himself bless him with the number six round draft pick, who was a Hall of Famer, and he now he had no choice but to put this kid on the field. Oh, well, look what we found. I can't credit Mike for that. I can't credit I can't credit Mike for that. But I'm gonna go. Back, I'm gonna back up to you and in, in this argument here, so we can move on. Fans want to hear some hear us talk about the NBA and why you're trying to kill my time. When a when a coach has LT on the sideline on one side of the ball, and you win a Super Bowl with Jeff Hostetler, who who was who, who are you crediting in that? Who are you gonna give the credit for that to? Who are you going to credit them? The Hall of Fame linebacker. The, the linebacker who plays one side of the ball. That's what you're going to tell them? You're going to give the coach credit for this, for the one guy on the team. The coach, certainly gets, the coach certainly gets credit, but you, the question was who gets more credit? The Hall of Fame linebacker. Okay. Okay, Cleavon. The fans, Cleavon. He's going to learn. He's going to learn. Fans, please chime chime in and and let us know what what you think about this because this this could go on ad nauseum. I am actually going to uh, tap tap the bell, tap out on this one because we we can go around and around about this forever and a day. So please let us know what your your thoughts are on the philosophical differences when it comes to this argument. Let the people know where, where they can find you on social media. Mr. Man, Please. they can find me at Cleavy Wonder on Twitter. They can find me at Cleavon Steel on Instagram. I want to know what you think. This is Cam. This is your man, Cam. Voice of the fans on Voice of Fans on Instagram. What's good in sports on Twitter at What's Good in Sports in sports. Nope, not plural. You can find me. Hit us up. Let me know. Is it the coach or is it the players? In these two situations, do you give more credit? And let's talk about – let's bring the triplets into the – do you give the coach of the triplets, Jimmy Johnson, those 90 
90 Cowboys more credit than the triplets. That'd be Aikman, Irvin, and Smith. Who do you give more credit to? Do you give the coach more credit for Tom for Tom Brady's success, or do you – Cleveland, he agreed in this one scenario. That's a kind of funny how he put it. But – he he gives Cleveland he gives credit more credit to the coach in, in his wisdom than what the player has done. Fans, what do you think? Again, voice of fans on Instagram. What's good? In the letter N, sports singular, not plural. Hit me up on Twitter, and I'd like to know your feedback. Right now, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back with some short NBA topics. Uh, the people at What's Good the Sports want to want to talk to you, talk to the fans, and make sure you guys tune into the website. Every Cleveland, have you seen the What's Good the Sports website? Yeah, it's beautiful, man. Lots of uh, positive stories and lots of great content. Um, the people they told me uh, personally, make sure you guys go visit the website. So please, when you get a chance after the show, check out the What's Good What's Good Sports dot com website. All right, Mr. Cleavon, on this date in history, Colonel Charles Young, first black to achieve that rank in USA, U.S. Army, he dies in Nigeria, July, or excuse me, January 8th, 1922. 1836, on January 8th, Fanny M. Jackson, pioneer educator, first black woman to graduate from college. Wow. 1836 to 1913. In 1994, Cleveland, you may remember this. This is this is the stuff Cleveland has to pull to try to get a victory over me. <laughs> it doesn't work. Tanya Harner won the U.S. Ladies National Figure Skating Championship in Detroit, Michigan. A day after, Nancy Kerrigan was galoolied. <laughs> which turned into a verb by Tanya Tanya Harden's boyfriend. There, apparently, they put the whole scheme together. I was. Have you ever seen the thirty for thirty on that? I had seen the thirty for thirty on that, and I also saw the movie I Tanya. Both very compelling stories. Yeah, man, it was a pretty interesting story, man. That's that's competitiveness. That's the depth of wanting to win, pretty bad, isn't it? Yeah, that's uh, definitely taking me beyond the comfort zone for me. Um, so, real quickly, Ron, who leads the league, the NBA we're talking about, in M- MVP, in the MVP race? We're about halfway through the NBA season now. I'm surely you're going to say Kawhi Leonard, right? Uh, my list at number one is James Harden, Cam. Wow. Wow, look. How about this for some objectivity fans? Why would you say James Harden, sir? Because right now he is the most unstoppable player in the NBA. My goodness, I'm blown. I'm blown away right here. I expected him to say AD for sure. And did that be Anthony Davis? I expected that to come out your mouth easily. What about uh, okay, James Harden? I'm, I, and I don't disagree with you. I think this would be two and three years if he was to win it, right? That's correct. What about that kid, Luka Doncic, and playing for the Dallas Mavericks? What, have you seen this kid get down? 
I have seen him get down on numerous occasions. He is fantastic, Then He has a complete all-around game, um, and he's definitely much better than uh, expected. And uh, this, you know, sky's the limit for that dude. All right, before we close the show out, man, do you have any surprises for the NBA All-Star game coming up? Any candidates you think should be in that aren't getting uh, All-Star notoriety at this moment? Uh, the two that I can think of in the West are Ja Morant, just what he's been able to do uh, over there in Memphis, and Brandon Ingram has put together a very solid season quietly. Oh my goodness! Come on, Brandon Ingram gets a, he gets a, there's nobody in New Orleans. He's getting every shot he wants. I don't know that that's an all star makes an all star performance. Okay, well he's making the most of his opportunities. Yet the question was who was a surprise all star. Uh, vote, and I said Brandon Ingram. Okay, Brandon Ingram. Okay, interesting, interesting. Um, I'm thinking Montrez Harrell should get some all-star consideration, even though he comes off. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Oh, man. You you apparently haven't seen Montrez Harrell. I heard you say Montrez Harrell, bro. (laughs) All-star? In the Western Conference. <laughs> name, name another power forward in the Western Conference. <laughs> I was waiting for the gun show music to come on there. Are you joking me, man? Name another power forward in the West who deserves to go to the All-Star game over Montreal. Man, I am not going to even dignify that with a response, my friend. If you can't name one, that's why. I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. What are you going to say, LaMarcus Aldridge? Well, name one. I just give me one. Give me one. No. No. We'll see if Montrose Harrell gets there. I asked you a question, though. Are you, you refusing to answer my question now? I'm not refusing to answer your question. Your question is so ridiculous, I don't see any point in answering it. We'll see if Montrose Harrell gets to the All-Star game. Okay. All right. And then, and then yeah, you go, then we'll see who's laughing then. Hey, Mr. Cleavon, man, I'm glad you're feeling good. Thank you for, for making time to join me with the first Voice of the Fan podcast of 2020. We've been going on at it for a little while now, if you guys. Yeah, yeah we've, had a, we've had a nice run. We're, we're going to continue. It's only going to get bigger and better. And what, well, I want to thank you, fans. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Fans on Rise Radio, R-I-Z-E, being pumped out of Las Vegas. Where, however you're listening to us, whether which podcast you're listening to us, shout out to us once again. Let us know how you're listening to us. Are you on Internet radio? Are you listening on, on the TuneIn app? Are you listening on Apple, Google Podcasts? Let your boy know how you're listening to us. I'd appreciate it very much. You can find me once again at, at What's Good in Sport on Twitter. You can also find me on Voice of Fans on Instagram. Cleveland, where can, where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter at Cleavy Wonder. They can find me on Instagram, Cleavon Seal. Be sure to subscribe to our show, rate and review our show. And as always, fans, thank you for being supporting us throughout these years. Let's make this year a great one. And thank you, as always, for making our voice your choice.
Hey man, thanks for making our voice your choice. You know how we do. I love you. Yeah, yeah. I love you.